No one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Inspiration for today. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart. I pray that your word would be revealed to me today in such a way that I will understand it so that I can declare it and do it and see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're continuing with the series, Jumpstart Your Year. And um, today I want to get straight into it. The glory of real hope. And I want you to think about real hope. We've been talking about fasting, and we've spoken about, you know, what is the kind of fast that God desires, and what are the blessings of fasting. But where does real hope come from? Because if you don't find real hope, if you find the kind of hope that most of the world lives for, your hope is wishful thinking. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 to 14 says this, Giving thanks to the Father. So we're giving thanks to the Father for this real hope who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now, we, we, we learn how to pray about the will of God from Colossians 1 verse 9 to 14. And, and this is part of, part of finding the will of God that we are thankful that He has given us the right, He has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has qualified us to partake in the glory that Jesus brought to the earth. And then in verse 13 it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Now, if you were, if you were part of the, um, the prayer meeting on, on, on Friday morning, we spoke about one of the, one of, oh, sorry, it was Thursday morning we did this one. One of the declarations is, is, is based on the blood of uh, redemption, and it's by the blood of Jesus I have been redeemed from the power of the enemy. And yeah, it is. He's delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of, of, of the Son of His love. We have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of Jesus, the Son of God. It's biblical. You're, you're declaring the Bible when you say that. And then in verse 14 it says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. In whom we have redemption. Because guess what? With your sin, you cannot come to God. But because of the blood of Jesus and because of your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross, you can come into the very throne room, into the very presence of God. It's an act of church, I want to tell you today, that whether you've been to university or not, you have a degree. You went to the University of the Cross, Calvary University, on Mount whatever in Johannesburg, or in Henley on Clip, or out there in Jacksonville, or in St. Mary's, or wherever, in a house. 
on the internet. And then your Chancellor Jesus, he gave you a degree. And he said to you, you are qualified. You're qualified at the Cross University, at Calvary University. You're qualified by the blood of Jesus. So you need to say it with confidence because you're arrogant in the power of the blood of Jesus, not in yourself. So I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I am qualified by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now today we want to understand what it is that we are qualified for. But in order to understand what we are qualified for, we need to understand who Jesus is and we need to understand his relationship to the Father. And so the question today is who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? You know the Bible tells us who he is. Many religions say many things about Jesus. But I want to tell you Colossians 1 verse 15 says this about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. What what is that saying? He is the image. He is that image that makes us be able to see God. He is the image of the invisible God. You know that God up in heaven that you cannot see, that God is in the spiritual realm that you cannot see? Jesus is the visible image of that God. I don't know if you realize, but there are three parts to you just like there are three parts to God. You have a spirit, soul, and body. Now what we can see in you is one third of you. We can see your body. Your voice that we can hear you from, That's from your body. That's all part of the body. There's two parts we cannot see. It's your soul and your spirit. And Jesus, likewise, is the physical image of the invisible God. And Jesus portrays the visible image of a God that is invisible. And so Jesus becomes a model. A model of what we're supposed to be like if we are formed in the image and the likeness of Almighty God. He is the example for us to how we live life. To what our character is, to what we're supposed to be. And this is why the Apostle Paul spoke to the Corinthian church who thought they were spiritually superior. But in the meantime all sorts of sin was going on in their midst. And he said to him in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. He said, stop following all these other things. Stop coming and thinking that you are so spiritually intellectual. He even tells him at one point, listen, you know, I know you guys speak tongues and you think that you are so fantastic and so incredible that you speak tongues. But let me tell you something. I speak tongues more than all of you. It's a gift. Stop following this one and stop following that one. Imitate me. At one point he tells him in that book, I am your father. You may have many teachers, but I am your father in the faith. So imitate me as I also imitate Christ. But in order to to understand what the apostle Paul is trying to say there, we need to understand who Jesus is. We need to understand his awesome and his incredible majesty. And in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 and 17, it talks about Jesus, who is the most incredible person ever. There is nobody like him on the face of the planet. And in in verse 16 of Colossians 1 it says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. It means the devil was created through Jesus. 
But by the way, even when the devil was created, God looked at everything and saw that everything was good. It wasn't God that made the devil bad. And then it says this, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Jesus is not just some prophet. Jesus is just not just some wise teacher. Jesus is not just some mere miracle man. Everything that was created was created by him, through him, in him, and for him. We exist for the pleasure of Jesus. We exist for the purpose of Jesus. Our whole reason for existing is Jesus. There is no other reason for us to be alive. And just in case you think that maybe the Apostle Paul was taking things out of context, well, let's look at the Apostle John, who walked and talked and lived and, and ate and breathed with Jesus for three and a half years while Jesus was doing his ministry on earth. In John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 2 it says, He was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. If it was made, it was made through him. If it exists, it was made through him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. When it comes to balancing the word, we see that it brings forth the choice of man. The word of God stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. It never changes. But the choice is what are you going to do with the word? God has given us his word, and his word declares the rules of the game. Whether we like it or not, those rules are in place. We see it in the natural, that the rules of God apply. For example, the, rule, the, the, the law of gravity. But we also see it in the spiritual. One of the rules says, um, you need to breathe. You say, don't be so religious. Why are you telling me I need to breathe? Well, okay, no problem. Let's block your mouth and your nose and let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's see how long you're happy to go on saying, I'm done with breathing. You know, if you start saying, I'm done with breathing, you need to, you need to think about what you're saying. Because in order to say that, breath needs to come out of your mouth. And what comes out must have first gone in. I hate breathing. It takes so much effort. Okay, but then die. And it's the same with Jesus. He is your everything. There was a song we used to sing when I was young. He is the air I breathe. And God wants us to get to a place of multiplication. But in order for us to get to a place where, where we see the anointing of multiplication in our lives, we need to get to the place where Jesus becomes the very air that we breathe. What is his position now? Because sometimes we look at him on the cross, we understand the blood, but we do not understand the power of the blood because we do not understand where Jesus is now. In Colossians 1 verse 18, you notice the Bible gives you an answer to every question you have. And in, in, in Colossians 1 verse 18 it says, And he is the head of the body, the church. 
So what is the body of Jesus? It is the church. What is that part? What is the what is there about God right now that the world can see? The only thing they see is the church. Why do you think the world hates the church? Why do you think whenever a satanic, ungodly leader comes in, in, into power, they always attack the church? It's because the church is the body of Jesus and the devil hates the church. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning and firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. And preeminence means he has the highest authority. Jesus has the highest authority. Jesus himself said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Then he gives us a commission. Now go and make disciples of all nations. There is no one as high as Jesus. There is no authority close to Jesus. Just no one even comes close. And so now what about the work of Jesus Christ? What about the work of Jesus in the church? In Colossians 1 verse 19 to 23, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him which is Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself which is the Father. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. You have everything that you have through the blood of the cross. You only have peace with God through the blood of the cross. You do not have peace with God without the blood of the cross. Your prayers mean nothing without the blood of the cross. Your service to God means nothing without the blood of the cross. Your fantastic performance in the corporate world or the political world or the, the judicial world or whatever, even the social world or the, the, the acting, you know, actors and actresses and musicians and whatever you want to do, the scientists, whatever, you are nothing without the cross. By him were the things on the earth or things in heaven, in the spiritual realm, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Without Jesus, you're an enemy of God in your own mind by the wicked works that are in your own mind. That, that's what the Bible says. And then it goes on, yet now. Tell the person next to you, say, yet now. Come on, say it with passion, say, yet now. He has reconciled. Amen. He has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. If you know this, Jesus, how is it possible not to preach? If you know who he is, his awesome authority, his magnificence, his splendor, the fact that everything exists because of him, the fact that he's the head of the church, and the, the book of Ephesians says all of this authority was given for the church. It's for you. If you're a part of the church, the authority that Jesus has is for you. Now his work is to present you to the Father, blameless beyond Reproach means the devil can't blame you. It means, you know, the saying, if the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. But there's a condition. 
There is a condition. We like to talk like there's no conditions. We like to talk about the unconditional love of God. That might not always be so true. Because the fact of the matter is it says if you continue in the faith, grounded, steadfast, holding on to hope. What is the hope? The hope of the new Jerusalem. The hope that one day the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. The hope that, that says you have hope beyond the grave. That when you die, death is not the end. If your loved one dies in Christ, death is not the end. That you'll be there in 10,000 years' time, bright shining as the sun, as, as amazing grace says, with no less there's days to sing God's praise than when you first begun. Romans 8 verse 34 says, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, and who also makes intercession for us. Right now, Jesus is our lawyer. He's pleading our case. He's our advocate before the Father. And while he's pleading our case, and while he did all that he did for us on the cross, what is our job? Our job is to tell others about the hope of the gospel. If you go look at the original Greek word, the word gospel is, is where we derive the, the, the English word evangelize from. And what it literally means is the good news. If you go and look at the word in the classical Greek, it's to spread of, to speak of the report of victory brought back from the battle. In other words, you're going and you're the news bulletin telling people about the victory that happened on the battlefield. And the battlefield happened at Calvary. The battlefield happened when Jesus went into the, the, the place where the dead were and he brought them and resurrected them back. It is the good news that we too can triumph eternally over those enemies that we have, the enemies in the spiritual realm, and we can triumph through him. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 4, the Apostle Paul says this, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand, and by which you are saved, if you hold fast to that word which I preached, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for us according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. What is the good news? Jesus Christ died to provide complete and utter forgiveness of sins, and then rose again, so that those who believe in Him will live forever. And so our work is to preach the gospel. In Colossians 1 verse 28 and 29, Paul says this, Him we preach. This is the Jesus we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. Do I have to serve Jesus? Why would you not want to? Do you even know what he did for you? Do you even have a revelation of what Jesus went through for you on the cross? Do you have a revelation of the future of those who do not know him? Do you even have a clue? You need to ask God to give you a supernatural revelation. 
In the NLT it says it like this. It says, so we tell others, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. How's a person going to get to heaven when they're perfect in their relationship with Christ? What does that mean? Jesus did all the work for the forgiveness of sins and we received it by faith. That is why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Listen to 1 Peter 3 verse 15 from the New King James. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Sanctify, that means set Him apart in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The NLT puts it this way. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Verse 16. But do this in a gentle and a respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. You know, guys, I'm telling you, I want to encourage you with all my heart to really start reading the Word and start reading the whole Bible. You can't just listen, be listening to what people say about the Bible. Even in things like the life class and the Desi training, we teach you about the Bible. We teach you how to read the Bible. We teach you how to pray. Because that is the lifeblood of your life. To get you to a place where you have an encounter with Jesus. Because unless you have an encounter with Jesus, you're in the darkness. And when you have an encounter with Jesus, you get a revelation of the cross. You get a revelation, first of all, of the immense and incredible suffering that He went through for you on the cross. And then the next thing that happens is that you realize how much He loves you. And then He wants you to get to a place where every single morning you literally pray and you pray in faith, believing you're going to have an encounter with Him. That you're going to have an encounter where you get a revelation fresh every morning of the cross. And you see yourself being crucified. Wow. To get to the place where you can understand what the Apostle Paul was saying. When he said in Galatians, it's no longer I that lives. It's Christ that lives in me. Why? I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, my sinful nature, my flesh is hanging on the cross. And when I come off, it's Jesus walking in me. And now I'm perfectly led by the Spirit in every way, in everything that I do. I want to tell you that that is a life that's worth living. But you never get that life unless you understand that everything comes to you by the cross. Everything comes to you because of what Jesus did on the cross to take that which separates you from God away. And the thing that separates you from God is sin. And without what Jesus did, you're separated. Without what Jesus did, the Bible says you're an enemy of God. But when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
when you put your faith in Him. In John chapter 1 verse 12, it says that as many believed, God gave them the right to be called children of God. You receive the right to be called the child of the Most High God. In Romans 8 verse 11 says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. That's the hope that you live for. A person who really has a revelation of the cross, they have that hope. Not even death can separate me from the love of God. The worst thing that can happen to me is that I die and that cannot separate me from the love of God. Because Jesus was raised from the grave. I will live forever with Him because of my faith in Him and because His blood has washed my sin away. He has given me His Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit has been united with my spirit. I am alive. I am alive. He is my Savior. And I'm now able to serve Him and be rewarded for eternity by serving Him. And it's a blessing to serve God. Let me tell you, it's the most exciting life that you can ever live. You can never live the blessing of living for Jesus down. Because not even death can break that blessing. Oh, to be the person who gets to the end of their life and knows I've served him, I've served him well. And gets a revelation that I'm about to pass into eternity. To hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. But I wonder if you know Jesus. Just before we go into this time of anointing, do you know Jesus this morning as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe it's afternoon or evening where you're watching, or maybe when you're watching. I want to ask you today, do you know Jesus? It's very easy to know Jesus. It's not a complicated thing. There's no six steps to that, or seven steps to this, or eight steps, you know. Eight always rhymes with gate, and eight is great. Seven in heaven, you know what I mean? Or seven, eleven, I don't know, whichever one you want. Six or nix. You don't need any of it. What you need is this. Romans 10, 8 and 9. But what does it say? The word is near you. The word is near you. You've heard it now. It's been in your ears. It's now in your brain. It's going ding, 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 ding. The Holy Spirit is busy talking to you right now about it. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What does it say? It's quite simple. There's this word of faith. So you're saved by faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 talks about the fact, for it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, so that no one can boast about it. What is faith? Well, faith is you hear this word, and then what do you do with it? You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. In other words, you confess that Jesus is Lord. You open your heart to Him. And you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. He was crucified, he died, and that would have been powerless for us except by the Spirit of God, he raised him from the dead. And that if we do this and we accept him by faith, that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will now live in you. And so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Your, your eternal destiny is at stake. And I want to encourage you, don't say, I'll do this later. We're going to go into a time of anointing right now.
right? It's important in terms of the anointing that you have Jesus. The anointing is powerful because of Jesus. And so you come to the altar of Jesus right now where you sacrifice everything. Jesus sacrificed everything for you. You sacrifice everything that you have for Him. Now understand what you have is broken. What He has is whole. And don't think you'll have a more effective time later because the Spirit's moving now. And so if you yell at one of the sites, I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand if you need to give your life to Jesus. Or maybe just before we get anointed, you're feeling a strong sense from the Lord just to recommit your life to Him. If you're watching online, then please send us an email to info at theactivechurch.org. That's info at theactivechurch.org. And, and give us a contact detail. Tell us, I'm giving my life for the first time. Or, or tell us, I'm recommitting my life to Jesus. We'd love to to help you in this regard. And now right where you're sitting, if you're in one of the sites or here in Selby, if you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time or you need to recommit your life to Him, I'm going to ask you right now just to raise your hand. And when you raise your hands, we're going to pray with you. Hands have gone up. I see those hands. Some more hands have gone up. I want to tell you the Lord Jesus Christ loves you with an unfailing love. A love that I cannot begin to describe in words. I cannot put it into words. And he's standing before you now saying, listen, I gave my life for you and I'll do it again. The love that I have for you, I was prepared to to give up all the glory of heaven for you. I have a purpose for you. And if there's anyone else, just raise your hand right now. Even if you're at the size, just raise your hand right now. Those of you that have raised your hands, what you're saying is, Lord, I'm committing to you this very moment. I'm giving everything to you, Lord. And I want you to see a clock because the time says it's your time. It's your time. And you're saying to Jesus, I want to commit to you right now. I want to give everything to you right now. I don't want to wait because I've been working with my life all my life and I've realized you're going to do a better job with it than me and so I want to give it to you I want to commit to you completely because I don't want to live eternity far from you you're also saying that um, you want to live you're saying Lord I want to live close to you from this moment forward I want to live so close to you that I feel your presence with me every single day so that one day when my time comes to, to die, it won't affect me. I'll only experience the shadow of death because you'll be right there with me. I'm going to ask everyone to put your right hand on your heart and just to see Jesus, see Him standing in front of you, see Him with the holes in his hands where, his nails, where the nails went and the holes in his feet. And he shows you the hole in his side like he did to, to the apostle Thomas who doubted. 
And by the blood that, that flowed out of the hole on his side, you are restored. And this same Jesus who died for you over 2,000 years ago, the Bible says he never changes. And that blood that was shed over 2,000 years ago is still washing the sin away of every person who will have faith today. I'm just trusting right now that God's giving you a picture. In the spiritual realm, just how powerful the blood of Jesus is that is touching your life, that is intersecting your, your, your future right now. That you're grabbing hold of just what an incredible blessing it is. And everyone's going to pray together. And I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin and I accept your sacrifice because I know that it was the price you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body wash me of all my rebellion, of all my sin. Set me free from any sickness and from any pain. Lord, I accept that my debt has been paid in this moment. With you, I have no outstanding balance because you paid everything for me at the cross of Calvary. And I declare that by your blood, I am justified and you have made it as if I've never sinned. And I am sanctified by your blood, which means that you have set me apart to serve you. And I want to serve you, Lord. And so I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come in as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is bad.